Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. I was watching American Greed the other night, one of my favorite shows, narrated by Stacey Keach. And they talk there about how people often get caught in uh, financial swindles and scams. And they, and they then talk about the people who are behind them. And you see these stories where somebody figured out a way to steal money. And they stole money. And they stole some more. And they stole some more. And eventually they steal so much, you're like, wait, <laughs> didn't you have enough money there somewhere along the line? And one of the guys they spoke to is a prosecutor in a case, and he goes, it's fascinating because when we catch people, it's usually not the first time they did it. And so he goes, we catch somebody doing something, we often go then and see, did they do something previous to this? We discover they've been doing it all along. And you always ask yourself, if they had stopped earlier, could they have gotten away with it? And then the question is, of course, is what is enough? When is, when is it enough so a whole bunch of people sent me this story. This version is from the New York Post from Nicholas McIntyre. Con artist accused of stealing $100 million from the Army to buy 31 homes, luxury cars, and more. Now, 31 homes. I don't think I could keep straight the fact that I owned 31 homes. So I would think if I was going to buy a home, I'd buy one and then maybe buy a second one. That's my summer home. This is my winter home. Uh, or if you want to get crazy, you might go, okay, I've got a winter and a summer home in America and maybe something someplace else if I want to go on vacation. 31 homes. 31 homes. Texas woman faces nearly 150 years in prison. I always find that amusing when somebody can get sentenced to 150 years in prison because I don't think they're going to make it. A Texas woman faces nearly 150 years in prison after she defrauded the U.S. Army out of $100 million, allegedly using the funds to purchase over 30 homes, luxury cars, and jewelry through the seven-year-long scheme. You also see these things, all right? You see these things where it goes, this is a wristwatch made by this company, and, and it's, it's $600,000, and you look at that and go, who would buy a wristwatch for $600,000? Oh, clearly somebody with too much money. Uh, I was watching the Meekum auctions uh, just yesterday. In fact, my good friend uh, uh, Mark Lieberman of Nostalgic Motors had a car go through the auction. It was a, it was a Tucker. It was Tucker number 1021. And it sold for, I think, $1.7 million. But on the same show, on the same evening, several Ferraris crossed the block. And the bidding went up into the 20s. Of millions of dollars. And I was texting back and forth with a friend of mine, and we were joking about who would spend $20 million on a car? Do you drive that car or do you just park it someplace and look at it? And, and, and at what point are you in your life where you've got an extra $20 million to tie up in a car? And then you realize, oh, there are people out there who've got too much money. <laughs> so the woman is 57 years old. She works as a civilian financial program manager at Fort Sam Houston. She came up with a plan in 2016 to create a business titled Child Health and Youth Lifelong Development so she could siphon funds she received from the Army to herself. She allegedly stole more than $100 million in Army funds by regularly submitting fraudulent paperwork that indicated an entity that she controlled was entitled to receive funds from the Army. So the question is, at what point does someone not notice that $100 million has been funneled into this charity from the army. The alleged fraudster began her scamming in 2016. She claimed her business provided services to military members and their families through the 4-H program, but instead just funded the lavish lifestyle for herself. 
The 4-H military program focuses on positive youth development through providing opportunities for youth to engage in intentional learning experiences. And again, I understand that a lot of groups out there have got mission statements like that, but you also have to understand that that just sounds like gobbledygook. That's, that's the, the, the corporate speak. Focuses on positive youth development through providing opportunities for youth to engage in intentional learning experiences. Intentional learning, not accidental learning. We don't want people accidentally learning. We want them intentionally learning. The Internal Revenue Service flagged her suspicious business when she included it on her personal tax returns in 2017, reporting a $483 profit on a $2,152 in revenue. Since 2017, she hadn't filed tax returns for the CHYLD, which does spell child in its own way. And so the failure to file tax returns will often catch the attention of people in government. Quite often the IRS is going to wonder, why aren't you filing tax returns? Now, they're talking about the entity that she oversees not filing a return. So she did earn $129,000 in 2022, and she somehow managed to purchase 31 different real estate properties in Colorado, Maryland, New Mexico, Texas, and Washington. One property is valued to be worth $3.1 million, which had eight bedrooms, 12 baths, and was in Preston, Maryland with 55 garage spaces on 58 acres. Now, I could use some of those garage spaces, although I don't need 55 at this point. <laughs> another, proper she, another, <laughs> another property she added to her portfolio was a $2.3 million home in Castle Rock, Colorado, with four bedrooms and six bathrooms on 35 acres. I've been to Castle Rock. It's an interesting place. Um, along with the massive amount of real estate she's buying, she also splurged and purchased 78 vehicles. 78 vehicles. Now, I know there are people out there who collect cars. I understand that. Jay Leno's got a huge car collection. But, but at some point, can you drive them all? You know? So she built a fleet of motorbikes, which included 16 Harleys, five Triumphs, four Ducatis, two BMWs. And a 1955 Ferrari Fratelli 165 racer. I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that is. They list it as being a motorcycle, but um, I don't know if that's what that is. 1955 Ferrari Fratelli 165 racer. I meant to look it up, and I forgot. I know what a Triumph is. I've got a brother who's really into Triumphs. I know what a Ducati is uh, because the same brother had a Ducati at one point in time. Two BMWs and uh, 16 Harleys. Uh, she also allegedly purchased a 2018 Maserati, a 1954 Chevrolet Corvette, a 1966 Mustang, five Mercedes-Benzes, and two Aston Martins. Authorities also seized over $18 million in cash from six different accounts that she held. She's arrested in December and charged with five counts of mail fraud, four counts of engaging in a monetary transaction over $10,000, using criminally derived proceeds, and one count of aggravated identity theft. The indictment also includes a notice of forfeiture for the proceeds and property that she obtained as a result of the criminal conduct alleged, and that's from the Department of Justice's website. She was released without bail, and the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Texas awaits a January 19th deadline on whether she strikes a plea deal or they have to pick a jury and go to trial in February. If found guilty, she faces a maximum sentence of 142 years. Uh, it's highly unlikely she would get that, especially if she's a first-time offender. But it does make you wonder how someone 
can simply start submitting invoices to the army and the army pays them and nobody really catches it until it's up to $100 million. And that's the kind of thing that makes people really wonder about our tax dollars. But I'm glad they caught her. The question is, how much of this can they claw back? And so if she buys a home in um, Castle Rock for $2.3 million, maybe they can sell it and get that $2.3 million back. Who knows? Uh, But on the other hand, a lot of these cars and motorcycles, um, I highly doubt it. And people might say, but Steve, why is that the case? Why do you think that would be the case, that you can't get the money back on the cars as easily as you can on the real estate? There's a very simple reason. Somebody who's shopping for real estate um, is going to behave a little differently than somebody shopping for a car. Because if you were loaded and money was just falling out of the sky on you, and you walk into a Maserati dealership, I doubt you're going to sit there and haggle with them to get the best price in the Maserati. You're probably going to go, yeah, I want that one, that one, and do you have that one in red? Yes? Okay, I'll take two of those. And, and it just seems to me human nature would be more prone to wasting money buying those kinds of things. But if something's listed on the market, and especially if you involve a realtor, uh, even if you've got tons of money, you're more likely to say, yeah, see what you can get that for. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe she was a savvy shopper on both counts, or maybe she was throwing her money around like a drunken sailor on both counts. I don't know. But I still have to wonder, when somebody is caught at the point they've stolen $100 million and they bought 31 homes, could she have gotten away with it if she'd only stolen $50 million and only bought 15 homes? It makes you wonder. Now, I suspect they would have caught her either way. My understanding is that many departments in the government do have oversight, and it's just that the oversight is very, very slow and behind, meaning that right now they're reviewing transactions that took place five years ago. The transactions taking place today, they'll get to those a year from now, two years from now. So it was probably inevitable that she'd get caught, but she has been caught, so we'll see what happens. But again, $100 million dollars. 31 homes, a whole fleet of cars and motorcycles, and um, the real estate scattered about the nation. But uh, she's facing 140-some-odd years in prison if convicted and if they throw the book at her. So there you go. Uh, From the New York Post and Nicholas McIntyre wrote that version. Questions or comments, put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. If we live in fear, we only live half a life.